Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast of the Grove Church where we go through the Bible book by book in a way that is deep but also easy to understand. If you would like to follow along with us, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Solid Life Whole Bible Reading Plan. We also have physical reading plans available in the church lobby every Sunday. Yeah, and with that, um, if you have any questions, feel free to uh, email your questions about the Bible or even the Bible Reading Podcast to info at grove.church. That's info at grove.church. We would love to answer any of your questions. Uh, actually, this last week, we did our first Q&A podcast. Tons of fun, great content, awesome questions asked, uh, and we're going to actually start doing that every uh, last Friday of every month. So all of your questions, we want to get to as many as we can. Uh, but we, as people start sending them in, we realized we didn't really have enough time in the podcast to answer them. So we wanted to set aside one podcast a month to try to answer every single question. Absolutely. And make sure to send us your feedback. We really value it. We want to know how can we be better at what we're doing? How can we answer your questions? <laughs> I don't think we can be, even be better at what we're doing. So. <laughs> I don't think we can improve too much there, Connor. I don't know. We're pretty good. All, right. so. All of the uh, sarcastic self-praise aside, let's get into this week's readings. So this week we are starting up the Gospel of Matthew. So to go over it a little bit, uh, it is written by... Matthew. So really creative name there. Um, also called Levi in some of the gospels. If you'll remember when we were reading through Luke, uh, Levi is the first disciple we see after Peter, James, and John get called. He's a tax collector. I believe we talked about that in the very first episode of what was going on there. And so Matthew writes down his account of Jesus. And what, what I love about the gospels is that they're all um, essentially telling the same stories, particularly Matthew, Mark, and Luke are hitting on a lot of the same points. John is uh, a little bit different in that its, it's focus is in a different period for the most part. Um, it really zooms in on that last week uh, before the crucifixion. But if Luke was written to Theophilus, and the idea of Luke is is really written towards foreigners who didn't know Jesus in person and also had did not have very much context about the Jewish faith – you can see that with the things that uh, that Luke highlights. In Matthew, it's almost the exact opposite audience. Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience, and mm-hmm. his main concern with his gospel is to show that Jesus is the true Messiah. And really, when we look at, at everything, it, it surrounds it. When mm-hmm. we look at the genealogy, what is Matthew doing? Well, he's tracing Jesus all the way back to Abraham to show that he is of Jewish heritage, but also really important in there is he traces him through King David. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is actually a descendant of the king, which is an important aspect of the messianic prophecy. And not only that, it's an important um, cultural responsibility by any Jewish man to trace his genealogy. Mm-hmm. And so by Matthew doing this, he's actually establishing um, really just some rapport with the Jewish audience that he is writing to. Absolutely. And I found this, uh, if you just Google it, it'll come up, but I found this really helpful list of, um, just to kind of give you an idea, how much Matthew focuses on the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. And so just to give you a little bit of context, um, hundreds of years before uh, Jesus was born, in the case of Isaiah, I believe it's 600 years before the birth of Christ. That's older than the United States. Yeah. Just to yeah, give you a spark, 600 years ago. Was fourteen hundreds? Yeah, fourteen. Yes, yeah, so America wasn't even discovered yet at that point. I believe that's crazy when you just think about how how time goes. <laughs> it was seventy three years before Columbus sailed the ocean blue, and the Bible was only in Latin. Good times, 
Good times. How how far we've come. Uh, but yeah, 600 years before Jesus was born, we get some prophecy uh, in other books too, as well as Micah and Hosea. But just to give you an idea, uh, Isaiah chapter 7 clarifies that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. And Matthew references that in chapter one. Um, in chapter two, Matthew talks about how Jesus was born in Bethlehem, just like Micah says in chapter five. Uh, Matthew talks about how Jesus goes to Egypt to escape Herod and then comes back. Hosea tells us that the Messiah will come out of Egypt. Uh, Jeremiah tells us that his birth would cause the grief and the death of children. We get that when Matthew talks about uh, really Herod's reaction to learning about Jesus. And really, I can go through the list. There's a ton of them here. But when you're reading Matthew, sometimes it can seem weird because there's just a bunch of little asides. Mm -hmm. Um, But keep in mind that he's writing to a Jewish audience and he's trying to show them that Jesus is the Messiah that they've been waiting for. Yeah, I don't think we can stress this enough. Um, these little things that he writes are literally, like I said earlier, to build rapport with his Jewish audience. Um, I don't really get to talk a lot about this in youth ministry, but um, the context of the day, um, if he's not doing these things to um, build rapport and to build his case to why Jesus is the Messiah, uh, the Jewish audience would just write him off as just a lunatic who believes in this guy who was named Jesus, who everybody thought he was going to be um, their savior in the sense of uh, political power, not spiritual power. And so Matthew is just going all in on saying, listen, we got it wrong as Jewish people. He's not here to liberate us from Rome. He's here to liberate us from sin. Which in the grand scheme of things, way more important. Way more important. So this week in Matthew, we're going to be in chapters one through four. And and like we talked about a little bit, uh, we're going to be talking about Jesus' birth. Obviously, we have that genealogy, which I would encourage you just to read through. See how many names you recognize. There's a few in there from uh, that we'll be getting to in Genesis. Um, And then in addition, we talk about his exile to Egypt. He comes back. And then we really get the start of Jesus' ministry. And so we get his baptism by John the Baptist. His cousin. His cousin. Yeah, great uh, relationship there. Such a powerful family, if you really think about it. Yeah, pow- real power. <laughs> you got John the Baptist, you got Jesus, and James. And Mary. And Mary. Jude. And Jude. <laughs> it's just a... And then Joseph somewhere disappears. Poor Joseph. Uh, but he's baptized. There's a great story there. And then we get, we get this beautiful picture of the Trinity, where Jesus is in the river, uh, the Holy Spirit floats down as a dove, and then God proclaims, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And that's really the beginning of Jesus' ministry in in earnest. Um, And then after that, we get the temptation of Satan. And so Jesus, immediately after uh, his baptism, goes into the wilderness and fasts for 40 days, which is just insane to think about. And then uh, Satan uh, attempts to, to get him, basically. He sh- he gives Jesus the temptations of the world, and Jesus really fights it by using scripture, which I think is a powerful reminder for all of us that mm-hmm. um, we don't just read the Bible to check it off of a list, but we read the Bible to learn about who God is. We read the Bible to even build our relationship with God, and I think it's it's so important for us, like it says in Psalm 119, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, for us to really, as we're reading... <laughs> Take in who God is and take in the truth of the book. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that uh, Psalms 119. It always reminds me um, this quote it's whatever is in your cup when it gets bumped, what pours out? <laughs> and um, I think for me as a youth pastor, my biggest passion, um, it's not that students um, 
do things to check off a box. It's not out of a compulsion that I want students to read the Bible or to uh, invite their friends to church. Uh, but really, it's a question of, man, what's in your heart? Uh, that's what's going to come out. The Bible also says, uh, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And man, how awesome would it be if our hearts were just overflowing with the words of God? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, with this, uh, we are going to continue our um, journey through Acts. Not um, the body spray. Not the not the body spray. The, um, the book in the Bible, the continuation of Luke. Uh, this is uh, my favorite section that I've gotten to do so far in this podcast. Um, I love these two stories. One of them, uh, it doesn't turn out too good, but it actually sparks something greater than just one person. And we're actually going to focus on that today. Um, it's this guy named Stephen. And Stephen is um, picked out by the disciples after Jesus has left. They realize, hey, we don't have enough manpower essentially to help everybody that needs help. And so what they did, um, they recruited other people. And there was this guy named Stephen who uh, volunteered and said, hey, I want to serve because Jesus has changed my life. And the Holy Spirit was at work within him. We see that in scripture. And we go through into verse, or excuse me, chapter seven. Um, everything's actually going pretty good for Stephen. Yeah. He's doing awesome works. He is uh, serving people around him. And then ultimately, um, some of the Jewish religious leaders of the day, which they're still not exactly cool with the Christians of the day, or what actually they were called was the way. Um, so sometimes in the Bible, in, in Acts, we hear um, or we read something that says uh, followers of the way. That is just the early um, the early name for what we are now called Christians. Yeah, keep in mind, uh, at, at this point, Christians don't view themselves as, as not being Jews. Yeah. They view themselves as, we're Jews, and we, we found the Messiah. Yeah. The, the, the separation of... I, or at least the idea of these being separate religions doesn't come until later. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting to think about. And so uh, as these Jewish uh, religious leaders are hearing just the disciples kind of talk about this guy named Jesus, remember contextually the Jewish people, a lot of them were looking for a political figure, not a spiritual figure. And so when Jesus um, – when Jesus came on the scene, it was more along the lines of people were like, sweet, Rome is no longer going to be in charge of us. Um, and then when he liberated them from sin, like we mentioned earlier, um, it wasn't what they were expecting. And so this caused a little bit of a divide in the Jewish community. Uh, people who followed in what was called the way, um, aka Christianity, uh, versus people who um, stuck with the Drew- Jewish religious customs. All that being said, there was some tension, obviously. And there's a guy named Stephen who gets caught up in it. And Stephen, he is somebody who is doing amazing things. He's doing uh, just he, – he's going out, going above and beyond. He's led by the Holy Spirit. And these Jewish religious leaders in chapter 7 um, arrest him. And they don't really have anything that they can arrest him for outside of uh, blasphemy, which was punishable by death in the Jewish religious customs. And in verse 54, we read this story of how Stephen is uh, martyred. He is the first martyr in Christian history. And it says this, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart because Stephen, backstory, basically gave his own testimony and said, whatever you do to me, it doesn't matter because I know I'm following God's will. Mm-hmm. Uh, verse 55, but he be, uh, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of man standing at 
the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And they were witness. And excuse me. And and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down, cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Or in other versions, he died. It's just a powerful echo of even Jesus on the cross there. It's unreal. As he is literally getting hit with rocks to the point of death, he is screaming out to God, God, do not charge them with this sin. Hmm. Unreal. I mean, I know people um, that, and even myself, I get angry when somebody cuts me off <laughs> in traffic or when I was at the the store the other day and somebody cut me in line. And it's like really like – and it kind of frustrates you. But here we see S- Stephen having done really nothing wrong except helping people and proclaiming the good news of Jesus is cast out of the city and he is stoned to death. And I think we can get caught up in this in this story of Stephen being the martyr. But I want to point out um, one little passage that um, that I think maybe if you if you weren't really paying attention, you might have missed it. It's verse 58. It says this, And they cast him out, him being Stephen, of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul is the second person that I want us to focus on because Saul uh, is actually – a Christian killer. He is somebody who goes out of his way. He travels hundreds of miles to track people down literally so he can bring them back to where, um, where he has jurisdiction so he can put them to death. And Saul, uh, is eventually converted into somebody who we know as Paul, who writes over two thirds of the new Testament. <laughs> um, I strongly believe that this entire act of seeing Stephen, cry out to God and, and, and seeing his faith, it had to have planted a seed in his heart, don't you think? Yeah, at the time, for sure. Yeah. And obviously, we'll get into some more crazy stuff happens there, but yeah. I feel like in the face of selflessness like that, it would be hard not to be impacted. Yeah. And um, a few, uh, we, we go through chapter eight and it talk, talks about how Saul is persecuting Christians. And then we go to chapter nine, and this is the famous Damascus Road conversion of Saul. Um, Saul was, you know, on his way to kill some Christians and God showed up out of nowhere, blinded him. And literally Saul's life is forever changed. A few chapters later, we see that Saul's name is officially changed to Paul. And Paul then becomes one of the central figures, not only of the book of Acts, but of the early church. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of, uh, we'll be getting into Joseph here in the next few weeks. And I think it's a powerful, um, just a reminder, you know, in Joseph, one of the main things that he says towards the end, spoilers, is that, uh, you know, what what you intended for evil, God has used for good. And what Saul intended for evil uh, in the murder of Stephen and the persecution of Christians, God used for good. And, and really, so many people, think about all the generations of people who are Christians because of the ministry of Paul. Yeah. Just insane to think about. Unreal. Well, that's it for uh, our highlight of Acts. Stay tuned, though, because there's really some incredible stories about God's faithfulness coming, and we're going to love talking about those here in the future. For Genesis, remember, we talked a little bit about how there's there's kind of two sections. There's the 30,000-foot section where it's going over thousands of years, um, and we wrap that section up this week in chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. 
And then right after that, in chapter 12, we get into the story of Abraham. And Abraham, or Abram, as he's called in the first few books, again, with the uh, Saul's name gets changed to Paul. Eventually, Abram's name will get changed to Abraham. We see that a lot in the Bible, uh, that God will give people name changes to signify a new season Mm -hmm. of their lives. But we're going to focus in on Abraham, his son Isaac, his son Jacob, and, and his son Joseph and siblings there and everything going on. But there's a few things that I want to keep in mind. As we're reading through these sections of scripture, one thing that's going to become really obvious is that um, Abraham makes a lot of mistakes. And I think so often we can uh, idolize Bible characters and we don't realize, like, I mean, I, I'm just off the top of my head, I'm thinking through, um, he's promised a son. And so Abraham thinks to himself like, well, God's not really coming through right now. So I, I'll i just sleep with one of the servants. That's probably what God wants me to do. He lies about who his wife is uh, twice about all these. Like if you just read through, Abraham screws up a lot. And yeah. I think a good reminder in Genesis is that God doesn't use perfect people, yeah. which is a great reminder for all of us. And, and the other important reminder in Genesis is that God's word is true. And so much of the book is is centered around the um, the promise that God makes to Abraham that I will give you a son that you will have generations mm-hmm. after you and even when Abraham can't see it, it's there. Yeah, and I I love a quote that one of my pastors used to always say. He said, "God doesn't call the equipped; He equips the called." Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good reminder for all of us that. <laughs> Nobody in the Bible is perfect outside of Jesus. And so to hold ourselves to that standard of perfection can sometimes get discouraging. Now, I'm not saying we don't um, try our best to live holy lives because that's what we're called to do. But, um, man, growing up 16, 17, I was making bad mistakes and, and making stupid choices. And so often I was like, well, this might discount me or disqualify me from ever accomplishing what God had called me to do. Man, that is so not true. We can see this in the story of Abraham. We can see this in the story of uh, Noah. We can see this in the story of Paul. We can see this in the story of every disciple ever. And and it's important to remember that God uses imperfect people to proclaim his perfect word. Yeah. One of my my favorite modern examples of this, uh, to get into a little bit of history nerdery, if you will, um, the guy who wrote Amazing Grace, his name was John Newton, he was the captain of a slave ship for years. And in his life, what we see is really this idea that he is confronted with the gospel, his life is changed, and that so much of his future ministry is about even just talking about how wrong the sin of his past was. And, and in, in a way, his sin made his ministry even more powerful. And when, and when you sing Amazing Grace and it says, you know, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And you know that the person who's writing it is really thinking back to the mistakes they made, the sins that they've committed and realize how incredible is God's grace that it saves even the most wicked of people. How incredible is God's grace that even when Abraham keeps screwing up time and time again, we'll see Isaac do the same thing. Jacob does the same thing. God still keeps his promises. Yeah. I mean, his grace is so much more powerful than I think our minds can even understand. I mean, just even an example, think of the thief on the cross next to Jesus. Yeah. End of his life, he has made horrible mistakes. Um, but Jesus says, you know, when you die, you will enter into paradise with me. And I think it's a great reminder of God's grace for our lives. And um, man, as we 
transition out of Genesis. Um, we are going to go over another psalm this week, um, Psalm 61. Uh, it is a psalm of David again. And I love this psalm. I think it is, uh, I know, I feel like every single time I say it's one of my favorites, but <laughs> maybe I just like the psalms. Who knows? Psalms have a way of doing that. Yeah. And, you know, next week, whatever psalm we get into, it'll probably be my favorite again. Who knows? But I love this. And, and I want us to just um, to read a little bit of this. Um, verses 1 uh, through 3, I love this. It says, Hear my cry, O God, and listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. Hmm. And I think it's just a poignant reminder that God is our strong tower. He is our protection. We talked the other day, or the the it wasn't last week, but the week before, about uh, the Song of Ascent and talking about how Jerusalem was this um, this this refuge for travelers. Uh, but really, now David is saying, "Hey, our God is a refuge for the faint, for the weary, for those who feel like." Like they can't go on. David is saying that we serve a God who cares for us, who in the midst of chaos, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of pain, he can be our refuge, a strong tower that we can take refuge in. Absolutely. Well, that wraps it up for for this week. Just a reminder that we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we are not the only podcast of the Grove Church. You can find all of our podcasts and other resources at our website at grove.church. We will see you all next week.